Welcome back to the Rose Garden Report podcast. I am Sean Hyken, the author of the Rose Garden Report newsletter, which you can subscribe to at rosegardenreport.com. Free and paid subscriptions are available. If you are a paid subscriber, not only do you get all the exclusive written content, but you will get a second exclusive episode just for paid subscribers later in the week. This episode, however, is available for free on Apple, Spotify, all the usual platforms where you get podcasts and I got a first-time guest today, one of my good friends for a long time. We kind of came up in the blog game together 10, 12 years ago, uh, if you can believe it's been that long. But uh, my buddy Jack Maloney, who's a national NBA and a WNBA writer for CBS Sports now, and is based in Milwaukee. And so I figure with, you know, I would say easily the biggest game on the Blazers' regular season schedule this year coming up. Uh, recording this on Monday, it's going out Tuesday, so as of this writing or as of this, you're listening to this tomorrow with the bucks being in Portland, uh, which is obviously Damian Lillard's first game back in Portland after 11 years with the Blazers. Uh, I figured it'd be good to bring on somebody who has been, you know, is based in Milwaukee has been at all these games has been around for, you know, Dame's whole first season in Milwaukee and all the craziness that's gone on the last couple of weeks with the coaching stuff, which we'll get into but also is kind of more covering it just like from a national perspective and has been covering the league for a long time. Jack, how are you doing? Thanks for coming on. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. What has the last week been like for you actually being in the (laughs) middle of it's all, it's always, it's always interesting when something like this, that's like the biggest story in the league where, you know, it was going to be a big story no matter what, whatever happens with the bucks because they make the trade for Dame. And so they're like, seen as one of the front runners and then there's all this stuff that's going wrong but their record is still pretty good and then they fire their coach despite having a 30 and 13 record at the time and then bring in one of the biggest names on the coaching market out there to replace him and you're in the middle of it how's it how's that been going for you what's what's that been like yeah it was pretty nuts obviously um it's weird like on the one hand it's really surprising that they fired griffin because you look at the record and where they are in the standings. But then if you've kind of been following along sort of like the day to day, there's a lot of little signs here and there where it's like, when you add it all up, it's like, actually it really wasn't like super surprising that they decided they needed to go in a, a different direction. But yeah, it's just been a whirlwind week really with from firing him to, they also then had three home games in four days. So like you're covering the games and you're trying to get the players reaction the doc stuff is in the air, but it's not official. So that some of the some of the players would comment on doc. Some players would speak in generalities. Then they announced the doc hiring like in the last seconds of a game. The press conferences in the on the morning of a game. Like it, it was just, it's been nuts. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I've seen a team announce a coaching hire during a game that they were losing. <laughs> yeah, it was bizarre. It was, uh, I, I'm thankfully not a beat writer, but for some of the, like the actual beat writers, it just, they're trying to file their game story. And then now all of a sudden, now they have to try to juggle the doc thing being official. Like it was just, uh, I, I personally wouldn't have done it that way, but I don't know. I'm not in charge of PR. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the doc thing is also interesting because then though, there are all these reports that now come out after the fact that he was a unofficial consultant to Adrian Griffin, who <laughs> then ends up taking the job once they fire him. And he sort of pushes back on that at his yeah. introductory press conference. And really, 
the the whole thing is just very like and i and i think i think if you you know you look behind the scenes and you've been there the whole time like when was the first time you kind of realized that you know maybe everything isn't going as well as the record just having been there was it was it for you was it the terry stotts thing or was it some of those early season losses where Giannis was like diagramming plays in the locker room with media there or the indie stuff with the play in tournament or the game ball thing with Giannis like what like what was it for you with the first time that like alarm bells went off in your head that maybe this wasn't going the way that maybe everybody envisioned it going yeah I think it was the Stotts thing um I remember talking to Jim Ozarski the um Journal Sentinel um beat writer um during a or what was it a preseason game or maybe the first game of the season I can't remember at this point but we were talking about the Stotts thing and it was like, yeah, okay, in a vacuum, it's not that that big of a deal. But I, even back then, we were like, if this doesn't go right, it's going to be the eighth paragraph in the Woj story about why he got fired. You know, like it was just, right. just kind of a bad vibe to start the season. I know they maybe didn't have the the greatest relationship. I don't know all the details there, but I think it it was more of a Bucks front office hey, we're going to hire this guy for some experience. And that just kind of, it didn't go the way they they might have planned uh, on either side of that relationship. And yeah, that from that point on, it was just, like you mentioned, the Giannis diagramming plays, the Portis um, confrontation in the locker room. There were just so many signs along the way that they just weren't on the same page, him and the, and the veterans. Um, but yeah, the... The Stotts thing, I think, for sure, was like, it just wasn't a good way to start the season. And then later that day, Dame posts on Instagram, like, the picture of him and Terry. Like, because right. Terry, obviously, and Dame, and I know Terry very well. I haven't really talked to him since all this went down. But uh, he, you know, Dame posts that picture. He and Terry obviously have a great relationship. And Terry took the job back in, I think, right. May or June, like, when they had hired Adrian Griffin. And it was like... Now they're just, you know, they want to bring, you know, it's a first time head coach. He's coming in with still at that time. It was still, even though they hadn't done the Dame trade, it's still a team that has, you know, Giannis and Drew Holiday and Brooke Lopez and Chris Middleton. And they're going to go into the season with expectations of contending. So hiring a first time head coach is kind of a risky move, but they wanted to bring someone in with experience to kind of guide him along. And usually those types of hires are, you know, if it doesn't go well, we have our interim coach right here. We have a guy that can step in who has some coaching experience. Like that was kind of what I saw that being. And then once they traded for Dame, then it's like, oh, this is perfect because Terry knows Dame and they he coached him for nine years before the Blazers made that change. But uh, what is you know what was kind of the vibe going going back for a second because you know I want to talk a little bit more about the Dame stuff because obviously from my audience, that's kind of the area of interest with all this Bucks drama, because I think a lot of people and, you know, play people in the Blazers organization, like Chauncey Billups openly admitted this on media day that he thinks a lot of Blazer fans are probably rooting for the Bucks to win a championship this year, because they know that that's probably not realistic for, for Portland because everybody wants to see Dame, uh, do well, but you know, you were at all this stuff. You were at all, you were at that parade that they had for him when they did first did the trade. You were at like the opening press conference and media day and kind of some of the early stuff. What was it kind of like back then when he first got here and it was like, oh, this is the new thing that's happening now? <laughs> yeah, you mentioned that little parade thing. <laughs> that was, that was another disaster. Um, 
which I think it ended up being because of like Dame's flight was delayed or something. Um, it was kind of some logistical stuff that was out of everybody's control, but yeah, that was, that was a bit of a mess. Um, what happened there exactly? Uh, so you like the original start time got pushed back like shortly before it was going to start. And then the new start time was like 2 PM local time. And he didn't end up getting there till like after five local time. And then he, uh, he basically just walked through a crowd and into the arena and didn't say anything. And I don't think most people there could even see him because of he wasn't on a stage or anything. He would just walked through a crowd, um, <laughs> which I, I don't know. I, some of that stuff you, um, you try your best and it doesn't work out, but that was sort of a, a strange start to the whole, um, to the whole damn experience. But yeah, I, I do think, you know, going to then media day, I wouldn't say he was disappointed. I mean, maybe he was internally, but I, I definitely think you could sense some sort of uh, maybe reservation is the right word of just sort of, you know, how is this going to work? It's, it was, I don't think it was what he was expecting heading into this, into the summer. Um, well, we all know where he wanted to go. Right. Of course. And now you get thrown into a, a different city. You didn't expect it's, um, a new team, first year head coach, like you mentioned, it's, you could definitely sense that he was still working through all of that, um, kind of internally and might still be honestly with, um, you know, even another coaching change and it's, it, it, it definitely has been a process, but I mean, you, the first day you should media day, you showed up, he's talking about, you know, the weather and stuff. So it's like, it's clear. It wasn't just the basketball stuff. Like there's all of it intertwined was was new for him do you feel like he's gotten more comfortable without with all that since then miami is obviously a very different type of place than milwaukee on a lot of different levels weather size of the city demographics just all all sorts of different stuff and you know i i totally understand and i'm somebody who likes milwaukee a lot i you know i used to live in chicago i used to go out there pretty regularly when I was covering the Bulls. I've always enjoyed myself in Milwaukee and people who are from there love it. It's kind of similar to Portland in that regard where, you know, mm-hmm. it's not one of these big markets that everybody, you know, wants to go to, but the people who are from there really love it. And Dame, you know, I I, I do remember Dame saying when on media day that he kind of, it reminded him of Portland in some of those ways. And Portland is a place that he, you know, played for 11 years and grew to love. And he kind of, got there and as much as you know he was still kind of getting over the idea that he spent the whole summer wanting to be in Miami and then that not working out then you know he gets there and he's like you know what this could work yeah I mean I I, I don't know him well enough personally um to really say I I do agree just generally speaking having been to Portland and living in Milwaukee that there are a lot of similarities there I think you can kind of do your own thing without getting hassled or approached every time you time you go outside I, i'm sh- so i'm sure that there are benefits in that way um but yeah person like on that front i'm just i can't really say for sure just not being on the road and not traveling with the team and stuff i just don't know him him well enough really to say what kind of interactions have you actually been able to have with him it's mostly honestly it's mostly just post game um he's never in the locker room pre-game and then yep. um the Bucks are really restrict restrictive with uh, shoot around. We don't even 
this is a different conversation. This is a different conversation we don't have to get into, but we're uh, most of the time, like for shoot around, we, they just hold us in the lobby of the um, practice facility. We don't even get to go up into the gym and then they bring a player down who often isn't Dame. So it's really honestly, most of the time is just post game when it's a big scrum. So it's not really, uh, it's not really a chance to kind of, you know, get to know someone in that situation. Yeah, it's probably a little bit better on the road. This stuff is always, uh, yeah. I mean, the thing you said about him never being in the locker room pregame, that's, he, he was, that's, that's, that's a veteran move. I, you know, I've been, yeah. I'm in the Blazers locker room all the time now, and it's a very, you know, now it's a, now, now that he's gone and it's a rebuilding team, it's a much younger group. And so all those guys kind of don't know better yet. They don't know that <laughs> they can avoid us by just not being in their pregame when right. we're allowed <laughs> to be in there. Dame, Dame's a vet. Dame, Dame knows yeah. when to, <laughs> be in there and when not to. So he's going to make it, it, he's going to make it hard in that way. But Dame is always, and I'm sure he's the same way in Milwaukee too. I've seen some of his, you know, post-game media stuff. I haven't followed it too closely because I've been so tied up with covering the team that I cover, but he pretty much is always willing to talk after games. He's always very thoughtful. He's always very honest. He's very upfront about stuff i i thought as far as like superstar players go he's very you know he's he's basically the best you can ask for as far as covering somebody like that on a day-to-day basis yeah no for sure uh no issues whatsoever i think he's probably talked about after like maybe 95 percent of the games i would say he's yeah he's always available he's like you said thoughtful and he'll answer any questions you have but yeah just so on that level yeah it's great i just haven't really had an opportunity to have any sort of, you know, one-on-one or personal conversations with him, but yeah, from a just general media perspective, he's been awesome. How do you feel like he's kind of gotten, you know, besides some of the, you know, disappointment about not getting traded to the exact place that he uh, wanted to get traded to, how do do you feel like he's kind of uh, fit in as far as like, you know, stuff with all the teammates good all you know just the city all that all that kind of stuff is that all is that do you feel like that's kind of in a good place right now obviously i know there's been a lot of upheaval with the team with the coaching change and all that kind of stuff but just in general do you feel like he's kind of it's kind of it's kind of getting better for him as it goes along yeah i think for sure he's feeling more comfortable he's he's mentioned that at points um but I don't know how much we wanted to get into like the actual basketball stuff, which I think is, you know, a big part of it, but I do want to get into that. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a new, a whole new thing for him on the court and off the court. So, you know, he's, you know, he's used to having the ball in his hands. He's used to, he's a rhythm guy and now he doesn't have the ball in his hands all the time. And that's a new thing to adjust to in all sorts of different ways. And I'm sure that affects kind of, you know, off the court as well as if you're, you know, having to watch more film or have more conversations with coaches, more conversations with teammates, um, just kind of, I'm sure that's a whole different adjustment than like, you know, it, it feeds into each other, the off court and the on court, right. Trying to make those adjustments, um, at the same time, I'm sure is there's just a lot going on um, for him. So, yeah, I think it is getting a little bit better, but now we're going to have a new coach and you know we'll see how that goes so i would say it should improve even further uh with doc but it'll be interesting to see doc hasn't actually coached a game yet has he no he was he was officially hired before the pelicans game but he didn't coach which was <laughs> i've never seen that before either but 
I guess they wanted to give Joe that. Fronty one more win for his for his all time record as the interim head coach. Yeah, my guy Fronty. I love Fronty, by the way. He's awesome. He's a great dude. I've 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 talked to him a couple of times. That's is, this is like the third different time he's been the Bucks interim coach because yeah. he was also the guy when Jason Kidd was fired and he stepped in. Like mm-hmm. there are yeah. some guys who are just like always the cleanup guy, and he was also yeah. like I remember when he was on Nate McMillan's staff with the Hawks, and then when yep. McMillan got fired before they brought in Quinn, he was the he was the guy. Uh, or no, it wasn't even Lloyd. It wasn't even that. It was it was like Lloyd Pierce, and then there was like a little bit of time where it was like Lloyd Pierce, and then Nate McMillan, and or then and then Joe Prunty. Like it's it's it, it is always funny those kinds of lifer guys that are always yeah. kind of around. So Doc's first game, I think, is actually tonight, which it will is, have yeah. already happened by the time that we're. Uh, what, what were your first impressions of Doc at the at the introductory press conference that uh, he had once they actually did officially announce the hire? Uh, it was great. I mean, from a, just a straight media perspective, Doc's awesome. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, he's going to tell stories and joke around. He's always willing to to answer questions. And he, this is another thing, kind of go, going back to Griffin and comparing it to Doc is, it's, I don't know, it's, this isn't, you know, the main requirement, the main job requirement for a head coach, but Griffin's press conferences, he just wasn't a great communicator. Um, and I, I don't, I'm, I'd be curious how that translated in the locker room with some of the reports that, you know, they weren't, you know, buying into everything. And there's clearly times they weren't on the same page. Just with Griffin speaking to us, he just, he's, I don't know, if he felt nervous, um, he would just kind of ramble at times. And Doc is obviously having so much experience being a TV guy is, the, you know, the complete opposite. Um, so yeah, Doc was the press conference. I mean, there was some stuff that was <laughs> I kind of kind of laughed at, you know, him saying you wouldn't wish this. He said, uh, I think he said, I, I wouldn't wish this on anyone in regards to taking over a team midseason. Uh, which was pretty funny. <laughs> I saw that that quote get got blown up. And it was of course, it gets it gets blown up as Doc Rivers on take on coaching the Bucks. I wouldn't wish this on anyone, but it's actually about no. It it probably is really hard to yeah. you, know, you go in mid season. You know you've you haven't been, and obviously you know as a national guy who was doing games for ESPN, he was watching the Bucks some, but yeah. it's not like he was watching film of every single one of their games all season and was able to just come in right away and say this is what this you know this is what we're not doing and this is what we are doing. And then he already immediately is all he's already hired Dave Yeager and then Rex Kalamian yeah. as two of his new assistant coaches he's kind of revamped the staff a little bit so it's just a whole lot of just getting all that stuff adjusted mid-season and yeah I mean that probably is hard and I mean they paid him a lot of money to do it and I think the bar was set so low with just you know now all the stuff is coming out of course like after the fact you're getting the three different stories that come out there was like the athletic one there was the espn one there was the chris haynes one there's always like the after the fact this is what actually happened behind the scenes that always kind of comes out and so it seems like he really just didn't was totally out of his depth as far as like griffin was as far as like yeah you know communicating with players and getting everybody to buy into what he was doing and Mm -hmm. so the bar that that kind of sets means that just by coming in and being competent doc rivers is going to exceed that bar but 
No. I'm real interested to see how that ends up going. And this is going to be actually, so if he's coaching the first game tonight, then the Portland game on Wednesday is going to only be his second game. So there's Mm -hmm. just, in addition to all the stuff that's going to be surrounding the game with it being Dame's first game back in Portland, like there's just going to be a lot going on with that. Yeah, no, I, it is kind of funny when you look at, you go back to, okay, we're going to get rid of Mike Budenholzer in large part because, he didn't make the right playoff adjustments. And now you get to, we've hired Doc Rivers. <laughs> you know, like that is, but when you compare it, when you then compare it to Griffin, he is, a, he is a big upgrade on Griffin. And I, I mean, Griffin was always like, he seemed like a nice enough guy, but yeah, he just, some guys just aren't, aren't cut out to be head coaches. And, you know, we talked about Prunty earlier. It kind of seems like that's, he's been a, you know, long time assistant. I think some guys are just better suited to be assistants and that that kind of seems what what the case is for Griffin. My guy Jim Boylan comes to mind with that. I yeah. I had him in Chicago and he you know when when they hired him when under Fred Hoiberg they uh hired him from San Antonio where he'd been with Pop for a long time and he was like mm-hmm. this highly respected defensive mind and when they fired Hoiberg and elevated Boylan it was there was kind of a thought of, oh, this actually might go okay because he, you know, he comes from the pop tree and so he's got a lot of experience and it might be. And then, of course, you know, everything that happens with Jim Boylan happens with Jim Boylan and it right. doesn't go. It <laughs> kind of feels like the Griffin thing. Like, yeah, there yeah. are some guys who maybe, I don't know. I don't want to write the guy off completely because, you know, there are plenty of people who first head coaching job doesn't work out and then they get another shot and then, you know, maybe yeah. they learn something from it. Uh, going back to the on-court stuff with, Dame, you brought up something mm-hmm. interesting, which is, you know, him getting used to not having his, the ball in his hands all the time. And I do remember on his media day press conference, which I watched because I was obviously very curious about it, having covered him for such a long time and it being so soon after the trade actually happened. He was talking about how he was excited he was to play with someone who was better than him in Giannis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And being able to kind of do that. And actually the question you asked him, I remember at that press conference about the pick and rolls, he gave a really good answer there. A lot of that stuff always kind of feels like it's easier said than done when a player says, oh, yeah, I'd love to have a guy who's better than me. It takes a lot of the attention (laughs) off me when he was so used to what he had in Portland for 10 years where he was the guy and everything was built around him. I'm sure he probably going into it felt like, yeah, I'd love to have somebody else that defenses have to pay attention to in that way. And so I can just kind of do my thing and not really be the focal point of everything. But then it when you've been playing one way for 10 years, it is a little bit of an adjustment period. Yeah, no, for sure. I think his usage is is lowest since 2015. Um, and not like, you know, crazy. It's not like he's down to 20% usage or something like that. Like he still has, he still has the ball a lot, but it's, he's not every single possession starting the possession and, you know, looking for his own, not that he always looked for his own shot, but he's not controlling the ball in the same way that he has for his entire career, really. And that's, Oh, that's a hard thing to adjust to. Like you even saw um, the other night when they got destroyed by Cleveland. But Giannis didn't play in that game. And it still felt like, so, you know, okay, Giannis is out. You kind of think, okay, this is a perfect time for Dame to go back to Portland Dame. But it's not like that easy. You can't just then flip that switch and go, okay, now I'm going to go back to playing how I, like I've been trying to adjust. I've been trying to adjust. I've tried to adjust. He can't just then switch back all of a sudden. So it's, I think it is just he's still working through it and 
Giannis said this a million times. Dame has said this a million times. Like, it's going to take – it might take the whole regular season for them to figure it out. Um, and we – but – then at the same time, like I mean, their offense is awesome. Like it's it's not like it's not like they aren't scoring a ton of points. Um, but it has it's definitely been an adjustment period for Dame that I'm I don't think he's completely comfortable with yet. And then how's Giannis? Do you feel like adjusted to it? I think Giannis, for the most part, honestly, is fine. I like he's still putting up crazy numbers. Um, he's still at about like the same usage. Like I don't think really there's been a I don't really think there's been like a crazy adjustment for um for Giannis to be honest like oh there is like it's different obviously um but I don't know it's not I think it's definitely it's been more on Dame to try to adapt um because Giannis is still playing the same way really you know he might give up a few but he might give up a few more possessions to Dame than he was to say Drew or, or Chris but for the most part, he's he's really operating the same way that that he has been for you know the last few years. So third, I'm sure it's not perfect for him, but it's definitely been more on Dame to who had to be the one to to adapt more. Right. And how do you see the defense thing going? The defense being as bad as it was was you know one of the reasons that management gave, even though the real reason was kind of a lot of the locker room stuff. But management kind of mm-hmm. gave the reason for why they made the change that they made at the head coaching position that their defense was as bad as it was when their defense historically, you know, with Giannis, with Brooke Lopez, with, and, you know, they had Drew in past years and obviously Dame is going to be a downgrade from Drew on that end. So that, you know, that was certainly Mm -hmm. part of it, but just Dame being there is not the entire reason that the defense was as bad as it was because they were also terrible defensively when he wasn't on the floor. So like, like, how do you, do you, do you see, room for that to actually get better over the course of the season the rest of the way now that they did make that change or is this just kind of what it's going to be I think they can definitely improve I mean they shouldn't like you said you have Dame and Malik Beasley as your starting backcourt there's probably only a certain level you can get to like I don't think they're ever going to be a a top 10 certainly not a top five but I think there's room where you can maybe get to league average just by kind of reeling back some of Griffin's and Griffin's like in in Griffin's defense he was brought into a team that had Drew Holiday and he wanted to play his aggressive super aggressive extended defenses with Drew Holiday and he didn't really adapt that to having Dame and that's not entirely on Dame you know like Dame's not a great defender he likes to push back on that. Um, oh, he does. He will defend himself on that. But, you know, he's he's not great. But if you're not, if you kind of just play some more base defenses, um, get back in transition better, like they get destroyed in transition. Um, I, I think there's definitely room for them to not be a disaster. Like I, you, you kind of look at the Nuggets last year as maybe a, a model of just get to six, get to 15th, 16th in the league, hang in there and let the offense carry you down the stretch. I think that's a little easier said than done when you don't have great perimeter defenders, whereas the Nuggets had, the Nuggets had better perimeter defenders who could, you know, make the initial offense 
um, for opponents a little bit more challenging. Whereas the Bucks obviously have better interior defenders, but if guys are getting into the paint and collapsing the defense at will, it kind of changes what Brooke and Giannis can do. Um, so again, I don't think they're ever going to be amazing on defense. I think they can improve, but I also think, you know, Dame and Malik got opponent opposing guards just can get into the lane too easily right now. So I don't know if that has to be a lineup change. Obviously that would be Beasley. Um, but yeah, I, I do think there's only a certain point you like the personnel kind of dictates it to an extent, like you're only going to, I'm kind of repeating myself at this point, but you no, can I only get, to, you can only get to a certain point. I think when those are your two, your two, two guards and Middleton's is not what he was either. And so who would they put in if, if they, if they take Malik out of the starting lineup, who's the, who's the guy they would switch in? My, my thought would be that you just play Andre Jackson and, I love know Andre Jackson. And know that there's going to be issues in the regular season. He's going to make mistakes and just try to work through, like just try to get him reps, as many reps as possible. Right. Try to work through that and hope that um, come playoff time, he can give you more minutes than he's doing currently. I guess you could go to, you could go to Drake, Jay Crowder and just try to play really big. Um, I'm sure they'll do that at times. But yeah, I think just athletically, um, size-wise, in the back, like they're just it's an issue, you know. And you hope that the offense is so good that it doesn't matter. And we'll, I guess, we're gonna see it. So far, it it hasn't been. But if they can get slightly slightly better on the defensive end, maybe that the offense is good enough. Because I mean, the offense is nuts. <laughs> like yeah. even when it's not. It hasn't even really been flowing perfectly, and they—it's just so hard to to stop uh, Giannis and Dame out there. Like it's just—it's nuts. Yeah, and the problem is that the like I don't want to get too deep into trade stuff because that just you know it, it could a it could be outdated by the time this even goes up, but also just you know most of the trade stuff you hear about doesn't actually happen. But it's not even like there's really a lot they could do because they use all of their quote unquote trade assets on the Dame trade. Like they, mm -hmm. there's not even some huge upgrade out there. There's not a, you know, you know, the Knicks went and got OG Ananobi or like, there's not, right. there's not that type of deal that's out there for the bucks because all they have to trade is like the, like Pat Connaughton's salary and like one or two other guys that are not really going to get you that type of guy. So they're going to have to figure it out basically with what they have, unless they make some upgrade around the margins. Yeah. And Doc mentioned actually in his presser, um, speaking about Andre Jackson and then Marjan Bochamp, mm -hmm. um, he's like one of those guys. He said, "I don't know which one yet. You know, he hasn't been around the team long enough." So he said, "One of a, one of those guys is going to have to help us," and I, I think that's true. I, I think I would kind of lean towards Jackson. I think he, he makes more sense as a role player around those other guys. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Jackson didn't play a ton when. Prunty to like he was playing more for Griffin than the game's Prunty coach. He didn't really play all that much, and we know Doc's not a huge proponent of young guys. Um, so we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I, I'm not sure. It'll be interesting to see what what Doc does rotational wise. But yeah, I, I do think that 
as like I would say Jackson, I, I think he's going to have to play more minutes and um, you just maybe sacrifice some of Beasley's shooting. That's why when you brought up Jay Crowder, I just immediately went to, that's what Doc's going to do. That's what Doc's going to Especially once you get into the playoffs and you just brought yeah. up, you know, Doc being kind of legendary for, like there's there are certain coaches, you know, Tibbs is obviously like this. Terry Stotts was like this when he was in Portland. There are some coaches like that that just do not trust young players pretty much yeah. across the board. And so I'm total, I'm totally picturing now, you know, Doc playing Jay Crowder way too many minutes in the, in the playoffs and all the, you know, Bucks, like all the, you know, the like no tech band and all like the crazy Bucks fans on Twitter being like, what, like, why are you playing Jay Crowder? He's unplayable. And, but then he's just like, will not go to, I can totally see that happening. But also Andre Jackson is a guy that like, the Blazers brought him in for a workout before the draft. We got to talk to him at one of the media availabilities. I really liked him. And I, from what I've been able to watch of him in Milwaukee, I really like what he brings. I think that's somebody that if he gets more of a shot and if he can get Doc to trust him a little bit, that's somebody that I think actually could help them defensively. Yeah, no, he's he's sort of like the prototypical um, role player that you want almost you know, kind of like a Bruce Brown type in a way where he just does a lot of like, he seems to, you know, he can rebound a little bit. He's a decent passer. I mean, he's not a great shooter, but if you leave him alone, you know, he's not terrible. Um, he's just kind of in the mix. Like he's just always making plays. One of those, one of those guys. And I think he, that's sort of perfect for a team with, you know, a, a bunch of guys that need the ball in their hands all the time. How much of a say, I don't know, this is probably too early to tell this, but when you bring in a coach of Doc's stature, especially one who at pass stops in his career, namely the Clippers, even though it didn't really go well, has had a lot of say in like like personnel stuff. Do you think there's going to be any of that? Like, do you think Doc is going to have a lot of input into what they do or don't do with the deadline or in free agency or any of that kind of stuff now that he's there? I'm sure. Uh, like you said, there's just for right now, there's really not like a ton they can do. I'm sure they're, they'll work around the margins and see if they can, you know, maybe flip Bochamp in a few seconds and content, you know, like I don't, I don't really know what that can get you. I'm sure they'll, they'll try. Um, but I'm sure come the summer, if there's more flexibility, I'm sure Doc will have some sort of input. I mean, he's reportedly signed through 2027, so he views this as, I'm going to be here for a few years. Personally, I don't, I'm not sure he'll fulfill that contract. We'll see. Um, but at least for now, he's, this is, you know, he's going to be the coach through the Dame and Giannis experiment. So I assume that he'll, he'll have some input there on, on what players he wants, you know? Yeah. I mean, usually coaches, when they sign a contract that long, unless it's like Eric Spolstra or something, they're not going to, you know, probably be there that whole contract but that's also the kind of contract and the kind of money you have to give somebody like doc rivers especially to get them to come in mid-season and have to kind of yeah. learn on the fly and take over you know with with all this stuff going on yeah no absolutely um i mean you already seen like like you said he already he's already brought in his own assistance with jaeger and and rex and i'm sure i'm sure come the summer they'll be like if there's, you know, minimum guys and stuff, there'll be, you know, doc guys for sure. Yeah. Um. Do you, so do you, do you think that, do you think that ultimately, you know, by the time of the playoffs, do you, like, do you think that this team 
let's say they don't make any major personnel moves at the deadline and that this is the team and now you know Mm -hmm. they're going to have about half a season of you know doc being there do you think that this team this year can win three playoff series in the east and go to the finals i think it is possible um i mean they they have Giannis and dame you know it's like i don't want to rule that out i think if griffin was still coaching the team i would have said no i think the defense was that bad and I don't think there was, I think the buy there wasn't enough buy-in. Now, obviously, we haven't seen them play with Doc, but you assume there's going to be more buy-in. You assume the schemes and just overall coaching is going to be better. So yeah, I think it is possible. I think we saw. I mean, you can bring up the caveats of the Celtics game with the schedule and some of the shooting disp- discrepancies and stuff, but like you saw, like Giannis and Dame regardless of the coach or whoever, like those are some of the most competitive guys yes. in the league. Like they are going to raise their level, raise their intensity, come playoff time, you know, no matter what the situation is. I, so I, I'm not going to rule that out. I, I mean, who it's the Sixers and the Celtics. Like could they those be, are the two teams I would say you probably have to worry about. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's impossible that Giannis and Dame could lead them past both of those teams like for sure i i think it's i wouldn't make them the favorite right now but i wouldn't be surprised at all if if they end up uh, winning the east who do you have as the favorite right now boston i would say yeah if if boston's healthy i think just porzingis adds such a different dimension i think they're just really hard to guard and obviously you can guard well themselves so i would say boston right now but I mean, we've seen them in the playoffs have their issues and you want to go back to some of the, you know, the on-court stuff with the Bucks. like, yeah, the, the defense isn't great, but the last five minutes of the playoff game, they have Giannis and Dame, you know, <laughs> like, right. Um, so yeah. I, and you I got to see that. that a little bit with the, that's that Sacramento game last week where Dame hits the buzzer beater to win it. What was, what was that like for you to actually, cause was that the first time you'd ever been in the building for one of those with him? Um, a buzzer beater. Yeah. 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 He's had some clutch moments throughout the season. You know, even just opening night, um, he basically won them that game versus Philly. Uh-huh. I think he had like something like 16 of the last 18 on opening night versus Philly. Uh, the Dallas game in Milwaukee, he basically won them. And then obviously the Sacramento one, which was, which was interesting because he actually hadn't been having like a great game and had already missed multiple threes in the final minute of, of, of uh, overtime. And then the Kings kind of choke it away a little bit. Brooke hits a three to cut it to one. Uh, it's a two point game that eventually like a few seconds left in he pulls up from God, 30, 35 feet. And it was just like, you just knew it was going in. <laughs> like, yep. I don't know. I don't really know how to explain it, but it was like, yep. before he even shot, I was like, that's in. Like, it just gets going in. <laughs> it was, it was insane. That was, that was, I mean, it was awesome. Like just seen a million of those, yeah. seen the Oklahoma city one in 2019. I've seen there's yeah. so many of those over the years. Like the first time you get to see it in person, it's like a different thing though. It was, yeah, it was nuts. It was like, it was, I mean, Giannis even said it after the game. He was like, he's like, no offense to Chris, but 
he's like, I, I've never seen a shot like that. Like no one on our team can, no one that I've ever played with can do that. Um, I bet Chris feels the same way. I'll bet Chris didn't take offense to that at all. <laughs> yeah, no, we, it was funny. Like, you know, you mentioned like how it is for, for us to see that. I, I think the same, honestly, his teammates felt like the same way. It was strange. You know, these are guys, Giannis, I mean, Giannis has won a title. Brooks won a title. These are guys who are veteran guys who have been in the league and played against seen, you know, all these amazing players for a long time. But it is when it's on your team and it happens for you and you get to see it in person, it's just, it's just different. I think it, like Giannis, I would say it was like giddy after the game. Mm-hmm. Like he was just so happy and, um, it was just like it was a, a unique experience to see like to see Giannis react that way to another player because obviously he's usually the one you know doing the amazing things it's one of those things too where you know for all the you know they do the trade and then things you know the there's all these kind of ups and downs in the season and there's you know you see you see some of the talk and you see some of the debate about like was this trade worth it for them? You know, is Drew Holiday mm-hmm. enough of a, is, is it enough of a downgrade defensively from Drew to be worth the upgrade offensively? And then something like that happened. You're just like, oh yeah, that's right. That's why they did this. That's why, that's why you do this deal if you can do it. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I love Drew. Drew is amazing. He's, I'm glad that he's on the Celtics, but it is, um, no, he can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> He's not doing that in the playoffs. He's not doing that at the end of games. <laughs> right. Have you gotten a sense of how – I know they've been home the last few days, and I know there's been a ton of stuff going on, but have you gotten a sense at all of how – not just Dame, how Dame is feeling about coming back to Portland for the first time. We're going to close on this because this is obviously the yeah. thing that's happening this week. But uh, how Dame is feeling about coming back, but also just about how other guys on the team are feeling about that being a thing that's going to happen this week, because obviously there's all this attention on how is the guy that's coming back to the place he played for a long time feeling about it. But, you know, that's something that is, you know, in the air with the whole team. Have you gotten the sense kind of how anybody feels about that or how, or, you know, what anybody's mood is going into it? No, I, I have to be honest, that just got completely overshadowed. Um, I, I mean, I had been meaning to ask Dame. That was a story that had been, you know, kind of on the long-term radar. And then the Griffin and Doc Rivers stuff happened, and it just, it just got swept away. To be honest, um, and Dame didn't speak one of the nights. And no, I unfortunately just he talked a little bit about it when Portland, when Portland came to Milwaukee, mm-hmm. there was a lot of questions about it, and he was saying. When Portland came here, came here, he it didn't really. He was like, "It's just another game." Like, he's like, "Yeah, I said hi to Chauncey and those guys and stuff," but like, he didn't really feel like it was much more anything special. He back then he said, "When I go back to Portland for the first time, that's going to be emotional. That's going to bring back all the memories, all that kind of stuff." Um, so on that front, that's really like the only time that we've kind of really talked to him about it. I'm sure he'll get a ton of questions you know, tonight after the Denver game and, you know, at shoot around and stuff like that. But yeah, it just, it unfortunately got, got overshadowed by everything else that was happening. 
And the Bucks almost lost that game too. The one in November, they Blazers were up yeah, twenty six, and then Milwaukee came won. back and won. Yeah, no, that that was a that was a bizarre game. Um, yeah, the Blazers is too so so many games. I can't remember they. I think the Blazers maybe only had like forty something points in the second half. Like they just they just really struggled down the yep. stretch, and yeah, the the Bucks probably should have lost that game. Yeah, yeah, that was. So this is so this is going to be real real interesting, Jack. Uh, thanks a lot for 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 doing this. It's always you know you and I haven't actually seen each other since probably All Star in Chicago in 2020, which was like right before yeah. COVID. Yeah. Hit. <laughs> remember, I re- I remember that. But uh, it's always you know it's always good to talk to you. I'm glad we got to do this. Uh, obviously, yeah. keep up everything on CBS. Go check out Jack's stuff on CBS Sports covering the NBA and also the WNBA. You're doing a lot of good stuff on the WNBA also. But uh, thanks thanks for coming on. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Good to see you. And I hope that, uh, I hope that Dan's return is fun and not too much of a uh, circus. <laughs> I mean, so. we'll, we'll be, but <laughs> yeah. All right, I'll talk to you soon, man. Sounds good. All right.